Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books and Critical Theory. It's a podcast that's part of the New Books Network. On this episode, I'm talking to Beth Driscoll and Claire Squires about the Frankfurt Kabuff Critical Edition. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Um, welcome, Claire. Hello. Uh, and welcome, Beth. Hi. Um, so this, I mean, th- this is a fascinating uh, kind of like meta book uh, that is in itself about a kind of meta book. Um, and we'll, we'll sort of probe those various kind of spirals and, and, and rabbit holes as, as we go, I think. Um, the, the place to start, though, and, and maybe we can start with you, Beth, is... Um, the book that's at the centre of the critical edition of the book. Um, so can you introduce the uh, the Frankfurt Kabuff for me, please? Sure. Thanks, Dave. So the Frankfurt Kabuff is a comic erotic novella, and I think it's fair to say it's like nothing Claire or I had ever written before, and it was an incredible amount of fun to write. And it gathers together a lot of ideas that we've had during our research into contemporary publishing and especially the Frankfurt Book Fair. So in the Frankfurt Kabuff, it opens with Beatrice Deft, our heroine, who's a high school teacher from Australia, a bit disillusioned. She finds herself in Frankfurt uh, in the middle of the book fair. An old friend of her mother's gets in touch and he's looking for some help because there are neo-Nazis who are threatening his publisher stand. He's a publisher of left-wing philosophy. And then the thriller plays out across the days of the book fair. There's a lot of scenes that unfold at parties, at prize ceremonies, and in the networks of cupboards behind the scenes at the book fair. So it races along. There's a thrilling climax, um, and hopefully it's as much fun to read as it was to write. Um, It's written by the mysterious uh, Blair Squiscoll writing partnership, Um, and it'd be good come to you, Claire, uh, to know a bit about, I guess, uh, the writing partnership, uh, maybe a bit of a sort of history of it um, and how you ended up kind of working together on, as Beth has said, this uh, kind of 
uh, erotic uh, novella thriller. Yeah, absolutely. A turn we had not quite anticipated when we we set out on our research partnership. Um, We were already working together um, as academics. So, you know, there's lots of works before the publication of the Frankfurt Kabuff, which are Beth Driscoll and Claire Squires. But when we started to write this novella, and we initially... um, self-published it on Wattpad serially, so chapter by chapter. Um, We thought we'd come up, use um, a a portmanteau of our name. So Blair Squiscoll is a smooshing together of Beth Driscoll and Claire Squires. And it was actually, I'll bring Beth in because it was something that she dreamed up, I think on a plane journey, was it? Yeah, yeah. It's a really long plane trip from Melbourne to Frankfurt and I think I entered a state of dissociation at some point and I just thought that Blair Squiscoll was a really funny portmanteau of our names and I told Claire about it and we both thought we would just hold on to that name and when we had the right piece of writing, the name was ready to go and sure enough, it came to pass. I mean, the, the other thing, because we're, we're going to get into things like uh, your writing process, the sort of Wattpad uh, technology, uh, we're also going to have a think about um, the various kind of themes that are in the book. But you, you mentioned there a, a long flight uh, over to Frankfurt. And I guess for people who maybe don't know anything about the publishing industry, um, don't really sort of know how, uh, I guess, kind of the book industry works, it'd probably be useful to know a bit about what the Frankfurt Book Fair is, because it's both the setting for the novel, but also, I, I guess, um, part of your research project that gave rise um to uh, the Frankfurt Kabuff is this uh, this setting, the Frankfurt Book Fair. So Beth, um, obviously you mentioned you were going there, um, I guess, as a kind of um, ethnographic researcher as, as much as doing kind of, you know, publishing work. So um, can, can you kind of tell the story or introduce the Frankfurt Book Fair? Sure. And I mean, there's a, a short answer and a long answer to what is the Frankfurt Book Fair. And the long answer is all of the work Claire and I have been writing for the last few years because, um, you know, its complexities exceed a simple description. But the short answer is that it is the most important international event for the contemporary global publishing industry. So it's the place that everyone in publishing knows about. It's where they go if they can so that they can conduct deals, um, trade rights to different books and other forms of related intellectual property. It's where they can network with other publishers from around the world, find out about what the latest industry developments are, and um, basically do like a year's worth of networking in one intense weekend. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Claire, if you want to add to that in terms of its, it's almost got a mythological status, I would say, in contemporary publishing. Yeah, it, re- it really does. It's also um, got a very interesting history as well. Kind of that area of Germany um, was uh, absolutely uh, crucial to the printing industry from the days of Gutenberg. Um, but in the post-war period, um, it became really important in Germany's reconstructions um, uh, as, a, as a nation state. And actually, lots of the kind of political aspects of what we address, and I'm sure we'll kind of get into those a little bit more in a moment, I think relate to that kind of post-war rebuilding aspect of Germany and the Frankfurt Book Fair being a a space of cosmopolitan bookish discourse, um, but also with with lots of kind of troublings of that as well. Um, So that kind of sort of near history as well in that kind of post-45 period um, is, is really important to 
I think that that sense of being of the book fair, but perhaps also the book industry more generally. Mm. Yeah, and, and thinking about what, what Beth has mentioned, that sort of intensity of, of the week as well, which, which I guess gives rise to um, the need for a thriller. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course. I, I suppose sort of intense setting, but at the same time, as you mentioned, Claire, um, some of the controversies that have sort of, I guess, recently, but also I, I got the sense more historically as well, played the book for a, a quite a good setting um, for, um, you know, quite tense uh, sort of thriller-based um, writing. Now, if we were just talking about the book, we, we'd probably, you know, not stop there, but, you know, maybe say a bit more about its, its contents, its themes and, and stuff like this. But obviously we're talking about the critical edition. And one of the things that I was really struck by, basically it might be the opening line of um, your introduction, is this question about, uh, and I might read it out, why publish a scholarly edition with all the trimmings a mere four years after a self-published novella's original appearance? Um, and I wonder, Beth, if you've got an answer to that uh, to that question, because um, the tradition, I guess, um, for critical editions is, you know, these kind of canonical texts that need responses um, that have, you know, sort of various, um, I guess, kind of uh, that have status within um, the kind of literary world. And Frankfurt Kabuff is doing something, I think, very, very uh, different. So why did you decide to do um, a scholarly edition, a, a critical edition so um, sort of quickly? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dave. Uh, I think one of the things that animates the work that Claire and I do together is a sense of playfulness and an interest in different formats and genres of books, including scholarly books and, for that matter, other kinds of scholarly writing. So just as we had fun with the idea of the thriller writing the Frankfurt Kabuff, we've also had quite a lot of fun with the idea of the scholarly edition through the Frankfurt Kabuff critical edition. And I should say that our our publishers, Wilfrid Laurier University Press, were right in on the spirit of that with us and they um, put an enormous amount of creativity and thoughtfulness into the design and development of this book. Um, So a scholarly edition or a critical edition, it may not have been always part of the plan, but it was part of the plan very early on. So after our initial creative spark to write the novella, we very quickly moved on. I think it was a Facebook message that Claire sent me um, I was going to say late one night, but it could have equally have been early one morning. <laughs> saying, wouldn't it be great to put together a scholarly edition? And that's because we knew that we wanted to do some critical writing to accompany the creative writing to sort of tease out some of the elements of critique that we were um, pursuing through our creative work. Um, but we were also really interested in working collaboratively. So the opportunity to bring together the other essayists into the collection and the different elements and kinds of writing so that it's a real kind of composite work or a collage or an assemblage with all of these different perspectives on what is a very complex event was very much true to our ambition for the work. Um, I think that we're going to sort of tease out some of the, the kind of methods and and ideas that, that, that underpin the book. But it, it, it's interesting there that um, you've sort of highlighted that sense of um, the need for something quite major, a quite major intervention, given the importance of, of Frankfurt. And in, in, in some ways, maybe I'll, I'll sort of split this up in, into four uh, different themes. 
it is a kind of research book, you know, as much as it's uh, a response to the novella, it's also a collection of research papers that is about Frankfurt Book Fair, the publishing industry, uh, about academic knowledge production. And I wonder, Claire, if you could say a bit about the book as, I guess, a kind of um, compilation of, of research findings. Yeah, definitely. I mean, is it kind of useful, perhaps, just to talk through the structure of it a little bit in terms of in terms of doing that? Would that be useful? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, so we start off as as you might traditionally do with a scholarly edition of um, with a, a, an introduction that Beth and I have written, which is kind of very much placing the novella kind of in in the context that we were working in. So, the sorts of things that Beth has actually just referred to. Um, then there's the novella itself. Um, with a lot of footnotes. The figure I have in my head is 169, but Beth might correct me there, Um, might be even more. And um, those footnotes are doing the kind of work um, that a scholarly critical edition of a literary text would normally do, which is uh, explaining perhaps some of the more esoteric references, giving a little bit more context. Because of our our, um, liking of playing with form, some of them do over explain things quite substantially there's some kind of running jokes that go through the footnotes things like kind of explaining the the kind of slightly um shadowy origins of the negroni for example which is a very important drink um in the book um and then there's a set of essays um critical and creative essays from other people um and i think they're coming from a range of disciplinary backgrounds and are engaging with the text of the frankfurt kabuff in a variety of different ways and that's kind of that kind of collaborative approach um, that beth referred to is really important in the, the formation of that kind of very substantial part of, of the book and then at the end there's a set of what we call assemblages um, which are a kind of range of different pieces, largely but not exclusively put together by Beth and I. And they're things kind of which came before the novella, alongside the novella and after the novella. We can talk a little bit more about what those actually consist of, but they're again kind of taking that sort of playful, fun fun approach to thinking about how do we generate knowledge? How do we analyse very complex events? And, And really kind of trying to model through the different forms of academic, creative, writing, visual, there's a comic strip in there, for example, right at the end. So really kind of thinking about how form um, generates knowledge as well in a, in a range of different ways. I guess that is, is how it um, might be positioned as a kind of academic research intervention, but also you describe it as an art project, as a satire, and also it has uh, various kind of political elements. And, and I wonder if we go sort of back, back and forth. So Beth, could, could you say a bit about both Frankfurt Kabuff and I guess the critical, condition, uh, critical edition as an art project? Oh, great. I'm glad I got the art one. Um, so Alapoolism, which is the conceptual school Claire and I co-founded and the way we guide our work, uh, has a manifesto with 11 elements on it, and one of them, I think, is art. Yeah, number three is art. I was just getting the manifesto printed out on my office wall. Uh, and we like making use of that word art because there's a kind of seriousness to it. Um, uh, to make a claim for something as art is to make a big claim for it, and that seriousness, I think, and I'm pretty sure Claire agrees with me, he's hoping um, it really well with the silliness and the playfulness and the 
lighthearted experimentation that we also bring to our work. So we, we tend to oscillate between the, the serious and the fun, and both of them are equally important because it's through the fun that you activate the new ideas that challenge how you see the world and see your research object. So calling what we do art is a way of just emphasising that there is a serious purpose to it, that um, this isn't something where it might be off to the side, but it's not unimportant. It's really right at the centre of what we're trying to do intellectually and through our work. Um, It's perhaps particularly funny to call a comic erotic thriller novella art, but, um, you know, we have artistic aims for it that we've pursued. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. I mean, you, you mentioned the kind of comic sits a, a, alongside the art. Um, and, and I wonder, because it's as much, you know, a sort of formal artistic intervention as it is uh, satire. And, and, and Claire, I guess without... Uh, spoiler in the uh, the novella too much. Can, can you say a bit about how it's satirising, I guess, the kind of publishing world and to an extent, I, I, I think, kind of academic knowledge production as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just to kind of take a step back, I suppose, you know, again, that the form of the critical edition is a, is a satire on, I suppose, canonical texts, you know, we, we were talking about a moment ago in terms of why so quickly and why you sell. You don't normally do a critical edition of your own work. You normally wait for other people probably after you're dead to have, have done that. Um, yeah, but the, the satire, and maybe this kind of uh, sort of bleeds over a little bit into the political project as well, because obviously satire it normally does have political intent to it. Um, I think, and, and I suppose we haven't actually kind of mentioned the originary moment of when we actually started writing writing this text. Um, we were at Frankfurt doing a range of ethnographic field work, as, as we've already mentioned, for another book which we, we published before the Frankfurt um, Book Fair and bestseller business. But some of our observations when we were there, um, and it was particularly around security, so it was about bag checks and police officers with guns, and then thinking about the freedom of speech rhetoric um, that there is very strongly at the heart of the of the Frankfurt Book Fair, and kind of really sort of all of this churning rounds churning round in our minds, and we started to write a conference abstract conference paper abstract and then just decided it was a bit too exciting 
for a standard academic text. Um, so we had a kind of little bit of a tussle about what we should therefore do. Should we should we just jack it in and write something a little bit more conventional for us anyway? But what we decided to do in, in kind of fairly typical mode is, is kind of push forwards with the creativity. And I think it was that that kind of satirical intent was really kind of trying to get to grips with what on earth is happening in this place of supposedly cosmopolitan discourse, that there's all these kind of security, violence at the edges. Um, the very first year that we were there together doing um, uh, research field work, um, there we, we were in one of the halls um, when on one of the aisles a fight broke out close at the stand of uh, a neo-Nazi publisher. So freedom of speech rhetoric, uh, neo-Nazi publishers are allowed into exhibit at the Frankfurt Book Fair. Um, so that kind of observation gave birth to the novel, the novella, um, but really kind of trying to think, what, what, how do you try and understand that kind of complexity of the world in which neo-Nazi publishers are at the Frankfurt Book Fair um, you know, it, it really kind of crucial for us in trying to trying to get to to grips with with these questions. Um, I suppose I suppose the other thing I'd add on to that as well. Sorry, I don't know if Beth, you were about to jump in as well. It, there's also a different aspect to satire. So any any kind of uh, historian of satire will also talk about its slightly conservative aspects as well. That it's trying to reinforce the status quo, and I think that's a question we've we've kind of thought about ourselves quite a lot. One of the very first review, which is reprinted in the critical edition, does talk about how. The novella has a sort of nostalgia about it, about, you know, kind of international flight, which is obviously in today's time of climate crisis is, is not a very good thing at all. You know, all of that, that kind of, I suppose, old fashioned joy of gathering together with alcohol and cigarettes and uh, these sorts of things. And, and that's kind of something important for us to think through, too, because our satire is definitely ideological um, in terms of questioning that freedom of speech rhetoric. But I think there's also a kind of a little bit of a, a kind of old fashioned love of, of that cosmopolitan discourse uh, rhetoric as well. Mm. Uh, can, I, can I jump in for a second just to add something to this point about satire? It's a really useful form for bringing together conflicting ideas that you want both to be in there as as Claire said there's kind of nostalgia as well as political critique but I was just remembering Claire with the um security and the bag checks and the police presence or security presence at the fair and I realized we haven't really talked about the fact that it's an erotic novella much because at the same time as we <laughs> saw the security um staff we also saw a really hot cop roaming the halls and it turned <laughs> out that I'm wondering what was going on but it turned out he was a model who'd been hired to help promote a novel that was um featured at one of the stands I think maybe even the Amazon stand yeah, so it was right. a moment of dissonance between we've got both models dressed up as police and actual security looking after the safety of people at the fair and these two things coexist at the most important international trade fair for the publishing industry, what exactly is going on? I mean, you've both talked about the kind of the politics of, of, of the book fair and uh, both, you know, the kind of formal politics in terms of who gets in, um, what kind of publishers are allowed in, but, but also I think a, a more general uh, politics around things like free speech themes. And I wonder 
best, you know, I mean, talking about policing and the simulation of policing in order to promote books um, also has a, a politics to it. And I wonder if you could say, Beth, just a bit about, I guess, the kind of political critique that's in the novel and, you know, to an extent kind of comes through the critical edition too. Yeah, so the great thing about creative writing is that we could explore some of the political critiques we wanted to make, even if they weren't yet um, fully crystallised in our own minds. So the erotic element of the novella is a hot cop called Caspian who turns out to be a great ally and uh, a real supporter of our heroine Beatrice Deft. But we also wanted to explore some other characters who might be... um, more politically ambiguous. So there's a vice president of the International Fair who um, is the vice president for freedom of speech, for example. Um, And throughout the novella, there's little moments of critique that are half jokes and and half serious. Uh, So, for example, there's a a bit of a running gag about men in blue suits and and we'd certainly noticed some of the gender politics of the fair in terms of who took up space and who was mostly... Um, doing the listening and who was mostly doing the talking at the different events. Uh, And we wrote about that in other publications, but it comes through very much in the Frankfurt Kabuff as well. And then also the geopolitics of it. So um, the fact that the fair is held in Frankfurt obviously has an important historical dimension, as Claire's described, but it raises issues of access for um, those from the Southern Hemisphere, for example. Um, There's an enormous cost to attending that's... uh, that means there are issues about who can even get there in the first place. And then there's the way the halls are laid out and the way the different invite-only events work and who feels welcome uh, and who feels on the margins. And all of those kind of percolated through the novella and then were brought out more explicitly in our critical introduction and the essays. Yeah, just to just to jump in as well to think about the sort of ongoing ramifications of that kind of political um, project um, that we had. Um, listeners may well be aware of the controversy that occurred in 2023 at the end of 2023 edition of the Frankfurt Book Fair um, after the um, Hamas atrocities on the 7th of October. Um, the Frankfurt Book Fair did a big kind of we stand with Israel and saying it would promote um, Jewish and Israeli voices. Um, and also um, a Palestinian writer, Adania Shibley, um, was due to be um, awarded a book prize for her book, uh, Minor Detail, which kind of focuses on the Nakba and uh, a kind of scene 25 years later in the occupied territories. Um, and that book um, uh, prize ceremony was cancelled Um in October 2023 and caused uh, huge ripples within the book community thinking about freedom of speech and thinking about the positioning of the West vis-a-vis Israel and Palestine. And it was almost like to us, it sounds like a really kind of terribly trivial thing to say, but almost felt like a a plot point that we could have written in the Frankfurt Kabul for a sequel to it. It was like a performance of something that we'd observed in terms of all of these um, freedom of speech uh, issues that happened at the Frankfurt Book Fair. And we could really see some of the characters that we've created that Beth kind of articulated a little bit more. They're kind of performing in real life in front of us in real time, um, this this kind of activity. It was, it was kind of 
you, you know, sort of such such a impactful event and kind of very resonant for for us as writers. I mean, in in terms of the book, I mean, obviously people can read the book itself, but the rest of the critical edition has got these. Um, various kind of responses that pick up on a whole different uh, range of, of themes actually and, and that uh, controversy um, that you mentioned um, Claire is, is is in there in terms of some of the uh, ongoing and quite actually long-term um, literary politics and, and the politics mm-hmm. of publishing which comes um, in, in a sort of subsection of three or four um, essays. I, I wonder it'd be useful to, to get a sense of kind of how you selected um, the people who did the critical responses and um, or, or indeed whether they kind of came forward uh, having read the book and said, you know, we're, we're sort of uh, very keen to, uh, to to write a response. I know there's a sort of formal review um, in, in there. So um, Beth, I wonder if you could say uh, a bit about and the kind of the selection process? Uh, well, they're just the best people in the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but the essays are all wonderful and it's such a, a treat to read them from start to finish. I will say that Claire and I um, really valued and were looking for diverse perspectives on the Frankfurt Book Fair, and so that includes a mix of people from around the world, but also people who are academics from disciplines, as well as people who are publishing practitioners and creative writing practitioners themselves. So that was important to us to have all of those different viewpoints um, brought together in the book. Uh, and beyond that, we were looking for kindred spirits, I would say, people who'd done their own deep thinking about related topics, whether that's the creative industries or publishing or creative writing, but then um, had brought that creativity to their thinking too and could could bring the creative and the critical together uh, in whatever format they chose to write in. Yeah, and just to, to add on to that, um, so we we approached people, some, some were people that kind of knew the project really well already, so we presented versions of, of, of the introduction that's, that's kind of ended up, I suppose, in the critical edition at, at conferences, particularly at publishing studies and book history conferences. So we, we knew we had people who were kind of deeply engaged with what we were doing already. But then we did also kind of reach out to people who we didn't know so well. And there's there's one of the writers, and I've not met in person. I don't think, Beth, you've not met Rowana mm-hmm. Um, Gonzalez either in person so it was a mix of people who were kind of very close to us um, I suppose in in disciplinary and possibly friendship terms as well and then people who you know kind of somehow as Beth said there was some sort of affinity in their approaches so um, Bridget Fowler for example um, a professor emerita in sociology at the University of Glasgow I met her in a huge snowstorm on the picket line at Glasgow University, got chatting to her about Bourdieu and her work, and I sent her a copy of the book afterwards and said, would you be interested in writing something about this book? Um, And she did, which is, you know, an enormous compliment and a a kind of wonderful essay has transpired from that. So it was a kind of range of different approaches. And also, although, Beth, I think we did kind of... (sighs) suggest to some people specific topics that they might want to look at. Um, It was a kind of very open brief and sometimes people took it in directions we were not anticipating but was extremely delightful. (laughs) 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Um, yeah, Rowanna Gonsalves is a great example of that. As Claire said, neither she nor I had met Rowanna beforehand, but we both knew her terrific article on friendliness as a strategy for Indian publishers at the Frankfurt Book Fair, and we thought that idea of friendliness was so interesting and we're really keen to see what she'd do with that if she read the Frankfurt Kabuff. And what she did with it was write a Bourdieuian short fiction uh, that, that features fish quite heavily, which we were not expecting at all, but is so um, thoughtful and interesting and provocative. Um, so that was a really great experience for us. I mean, I, I guess that's a good example of one of the kind of more creative responses. Um, and, and Claire, you've mentioned, I suppose, one of the, the more sort of formal um, kind of um, sociology of, of, of publishing uh, responses. And, and we've talked as well about kind of various uh, writers who've raised issues around the politics of publishing but but, but the way I'd like to close is, is the way the book closes actually and, and there's a, a final section assemblages that um, really and, and you, you'd sort of mentioned um, earlier you know kind of cartoons um, various uh, ephemera th- this kind of stuff um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear and maybe Claire we come to you on, on this one how you chose that final section and, and, and where it kind of um came from and, and how you compiled it yeah um it, it, it was <laughs> I was about to say it was it's the, the the funnest part of the book to put together but all, all of it was definitely a huge amount of fun it was we had some we had some kind of objects and I think some of those are also sort of slightly found objects or pretend found objects that we inserted into this so it starts off with um the original plot diagram. So there's actually one of the, the essays, the first one, Genesis by Kim Wilkins. Um, Kim is a creative writing uh, academic uh, novelist. So she helped us understand how to do plotting for a thriller. Um, but there's a diagram that she drew for us whilst we were standing in uh, the train station at Frankfurt. So we've reproduced um, a version of that. So if anyone else wants to go and write their own comic erotic thriller, they have Kim's excellent guidelines to do that. Go for it, Beth. Oh, that's all you need, that diagram. Anyone can write a trip. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> a great privilege to have it published in this in this book. Um, and then um, whilst we were working on the version of the novella, which was so after we published it on Wattpad, um, a chapter by chapter, we then decided to turn it into a print and an ebook. So we did that via um, the platform Ingram Spark, um, which is a print on demand publisher, but also can get uh, ebook copies distributed through all of the, the various different ebook uh, platforms around the world. 
And Beth and I um, wrote something at the time, kind of sort of to, to hand over to each other in our different time zones and in terms of different tasks, um, a Google Doc called Dear Diary, um, which was basically what we'd been doing in order to kind of try and understand how to do self-publishing. We're both publishing studies lecturers. We teach students how to publish. Um, you know, there's a lot of kind of interesting conversation in the world of publishing about the impact of self-publishing, be it the kind of platformized type of, of uh, Wattpad um, or working through uh, something like in- Ingram Spark. Um, but some of it was more tricky than we'd anticipated. So it's actually kind of a little diary, effectively, of us writing to each other. Um, yeah, so there's uh, those things. And then there's some other kind of sort of aspects of, of fictional aspects which derive from the book. So, uh, oh, this is too much of a plot spoiler, but there's there's a Publishers Weekly um, journal, which is a book trade journal in the States, kind of announcing something that happened to do with that left-wing, that publisher of left-wing philosophy in the Frankfurt Kabuff, what that publisher went on to do. So it's kind of a sort of inside, outside, fictional, creative, created by other people. There's a joke book as well, etc. Um, in terms of what comes next, um, yeah. I, I guess there's, there's a couple of questions, really. Um, in terms of your own work uh, together, your own work uh, sort of separately, in terms of, uh, you know, you've alluded possibly to a sequel uh, to the Frankfurt Kabuff because almost all of the kind of issues that uh, the book deals with and the critical edition uh, thinks through are not going away. They're, they're very much going to be with us um, as part of the kind of structure of, of the publishing industry. So maybe start with you, Beth. What, what's next in, in, in terms of following on from this? Thanks, Dave. When you first said what next, um, I got all excited because what's next in the critical edition is the index and the index is really... <laughs> A lot of fun and has a lot of jokes in it as well. Yeah. So after the assemblages comes the index. Don't skip that, anyone. Claire and I have a, a long list of projects to be getting on with that uh, all connect to the Frankfurt Kabuff one way or another. We just published a choose your own adventure on the is it a website a platform? I don't know, Twinery, um, which is a prequel and follows some of the characters back in the turbulent times of May 68 and um, its impacts for the publishing industry. So that that was a lot of fun to experiment with that. Well, we called it not so much a choose-your-own-adventure as a choose-your-own-revolution. Uh, we're also very interested in the parties at Frankfurt and the food they serve, particularly canapes as a sort of a symbol maybe of um, a cultural identity, maybe as a symbol of largesse, and so we'd like to explore canapes and how they work a bit more. Then, Claire, is there anything else that you can think of that we're doing next? Um, yeah, well, actually, this this I suppose is in the past, but just for people who kind of pick this up and do want to to find out more um, in terms of the characters in the Frankfurt Kabuff, there are already a couple of sequels as well as the prequel that Beth referred to. Um, which are available. One is actually printed in the Frankfurt Kabuff Critical Edition. So um, that's set at the beginning of COVID-19 
lockdown in Venice. Um, and then um, I, I mentioned briefly uh, climate crisis and sustainability issues. There's also uh, a story which brings um, Beatrice and Caspian the Hot Cop back together in Glasgow um, during COP. 26 um, as well. So there's a there's links to that in the book itself, or you can find it under Blair Squiskel uh, on Wattpad. Mm, a couple for this. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we had planned, we did want to kind of go around to various different book fairs um, around the world, kind of notwithstanding, you know, the, the impact of that on the planet. Um, but we published the novella on... Wattpad in 20, is this right, Beth? 2018, and then in, in print format and ebook format in 2019. And then obviously COVID happened. So our plans to go and do something similar at the Beijing Book Fair or the Guadalajara Book Fair in Mexico um, were, were slightly kind of put on pause. But who knows? It might happen yet. 